We are in a sermon series, and this is the end of our sermon series on Joshua. This is our last one, and we've been looking at the book of Joshua, and it's been really interesting to track through these different parts of this Old Testament book together. And I'm really glad to finish off our sermon series today is our student pastor, Hattie. And um, uh, Hattie, we're so grateful. Hattie's been here for a few years. She she used to work as a physio. Uh, She came to join us on our leadership development year. Uh, So there's a few, yes, our leadership development year, if you're interested, is starting in September, uh, and so she was involved in that. She then looked after all of our social action work, and now she looks after our students, and it's fantastic that Hattie's here to finish off the sermon series. So please, would you welcome Hattie as she comes up. I'm so sorry. I'm supposed to do the reading. So sorry. I forgot. So sorry. If you would like to turn... Thank you, Hattie. If you'd like to turn... Uh, it was a very polite way of saying, would you like to do the reading, Toby? Yes, I'd love to do the reading. Joshua 13, and we're going to read the first seven verses. And um, Hattie's kindly given me this reading because there's some great names in here. So bear with me. Are you ready? Joshua 13, verse 1. When Joshua had grown old, the Lord said to him, you are now very old. <laughs> nice thing to be told. Thanks, Lord. And there are still very large areas of land to be taken over. This is the land that remains, all the regions of the Philistines and Geshurites, from the Shehor River on the east of Egypt to the territory of Ekron on the north. All of it counted as Canaanite, though held by the five Philistine rulers in Gaza, Ashdod, Ashkelon, Gath, and Ekron, the territories of the Avites on the south, all the land of the Canaanites, from Ara to the Sidonians, as far as Aphek, and the border of the Amorites, the area of Byblos, and all Lebanon to the east, from Baalgad below Mount Hermon to Lebo Hamath. As for all the inhabitants of the mountain regions, from Lebanon to Misrephoth, Maim, that is, all of the Sidonians, I myself will drive them out before the Israelites. Be sure to allocate this land to Israel for an inheritance as I've instructed you, and divide it as an inheritance among the nine tribes and half of the tribe of Manasseh. Please, would you welcome Hattie? Thank you, Toby. See what I did there? I made him do that horrendous reading, <laughs> all those names. Um, but great, it's so um, great to be here this evening. And as Toby said, um, I have the privilege of leading our students, um, have done for the last two years. Um, It's great to see some of the students here this evening. Um, But before that, I was working as a physio in Cheltenham. Um, I worked with um, disabled young adults and um, loved that. But then the Lord took me out of that job, did a 180 and put me in the church. So here we are this evening. Um, So it was really exciting to be um, finishing this sermon series, looking through the book of Joshua. Um, And if you've been tracking with us, we've got to the point in the story where Moses has died And God raises up Joshua um, to lead the Israelites into the promised land. They crossed over the Jordan River and they start to take possession of the land west of um, the River Jordan, starting with Jericho, and then they take, go work their way through the city, taking possession of the land. Um, So thank you for reading that, um, Toby. Um, But in there, um, God says to, to Joshua, you are very old. That's the first thing he says. Um, and I was thinking about this, and um, I, 
spent some time earlier in the week with my grandparents. Um, my grandpa is 92. I think we have a picture of him, actually. Um, we went for, there they are. <laughs> That's my grandma and grandpa. Um, um, my grandpa's 92, and um, I took them for a walk. I live in Clifton. We, we went for a walk to the bridge, and um, he was there carrying his camping chair and his bus, his little hamper. And we had a picnic. Um, but what is amazing is that at the age of 92, he's a vicar. Um, he's been a vicar for sort of 40, 45 years. Um, but he, he loves Jesus more than ever. And I love spending time with him because I just, I literally like sat on the picnic blanket next to his feet, just like asking questions, learning from him. And he just loves Jesus. And what I love about him, even at the age of 92, that he's more in love with Jesus um, now than he ever has been. And he's, he's has this conviction that there is more work to be done. And so I love that um, God says this to Joshua, though that you're very old, he was a, probably about, he died when he was probably about 110. So at this point, he was about 100 years old. Uh, so saying to him, you are very old, but there is still work to be done. There is still large areas of land to be taken over. And then God lays out where this land is that remains, that needs to be taken over. And then he promises that he himself will drive the inhabitants out before the Israelites. God instructs Joshua to divide the land as inheritance among the, amongst the nine tribes and half the tribe of Manasseh. So from chapter 13, there's this shift in the strategy about how to take possession of the land. They go from collectively moving forward as the Israelites to being allocated land to take possession of as tribes. But the common thread throughout the rest of Joshua is the same, that God has given them promised land as their inheritance. And he has promised, as he promised to Abraham, he wants them to advance forward and take possession of it, not just settle in the land where they are now, where they already taken the land around Jericho. He wants them to experience the fullness of their inheritance, not just the portion of it. And this is true for us today. God wants us to advance forward and take possession of our inheritance that he has for us. So as we come to the end of this sermon series, through Joshua. Today we're going to be thinking about advancing and not stagnating. How we advance forward into the land that God has for us and has for us as a church. So first of all, just thinking about stagnation. Um, and I, um, alongside working here with the students, I work in a coffee shop about 100 meters over Bristol Bridge called Baristas. If you haven't been there for a flat white, come along, say hi. I work on a Thursday and a Friday. Um, but we, well, I was there on a Friday, on Friday, and it was hot in the shop. And um, we, had, we had a bit of a situation with the pipes. And um, we have the coffee machine and then where the milk flows, and they both flow into the same pipe. And I, I don't know what it was with the, with the heat, but the coffee sludge and the milk mixed together made this sort of like manure vibe. And um, it clogged the pipe and I suddenly started smelling this horrendous smell. And I was just, you know, doing the shots, making my milk, um, serving customers, like very aware that this, the, the whole shop smelt like there was a cow in there <laughs> that had done its business in the middle of the room. And I was like, and so um, George, the owner of the shop, got under the counter and starts like trying to clear this pipe. And he was like, pour the boiling water in. And we we're like, we are, we've poured it in. And then suddenly like all this stuff slurges out. And um, it was horrendous. But I, it made, I was like, this is a great analogy for Sunday, actually, about stagnation and that we're not made <laughs> to stay still and stay stuck, that we're made to flow, we're made to move forward. And actually, when we stay stuck, we start to smell. <laughs> 
Um, and I, th I was thinking about this area of stagnation, and I think for me, um, the area where I've like been stuck in and stagnant in has been um, the area around my mindsets. What, what, um, yeah, staying stuck in, in mindsets that haven't been helpful for me, mindsets that haven't served me. And um, I think for me, those mindsets have been like low self-worth, um, feelings of not being enough, feelings of um, lis listening to these lies about who I am um, and that my voice doesn't make a difference. That was a big lie that I used to believe. And for a lot of my 20s, I'm 29 now, but for a lot of my 20s, I stayed stuck in those mindsets that were like really unhelpful. This low self-worth, low self-esteem, that I, I don't make a difference, my voice doesn't make a difference, that where, where I am, the space that I am and move into, it doesn't make a difference me being there. And I stayed stuck. And um, God had things for me in my 20s probably that I didn't move into because of that, because I was staying stuck in these mindsets. And I, I wonder if you can relate to that, being stuck in mindsets, you know, for weeks, months, but even for years of staying stuck, um, stagnating, feeling like you're in the same place. And um, there's a story in the New Testament that I'd love us to read together, as I think it really shows um, this mindset of being stuck, left unchecked, can lead to stagnation and not advancement, but how Jesus comes to restore that. Um, so if you've got your Bibles or your phone, then um, we're going to turn to John 5, verses 1 to 9. I think it's going to come up on the screen as well. Um, but it's the healing at the pool. So I'll just read it. So sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here, a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, get up pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. And now firstly, you just want to clarify that this man's physical condition is not what caused him to be stagnant where it was. It was his mindset. He had lost hope. He had a lack of expectation. He complains to Jesus that he has no one to help him. And he stayed stuck there. He'd been stuck there for 38 years, literally in the same place, lying on the same mat. But then Jesus comes along, looks at him, full of compassion, full of kindness, full of grace, and says, get up, pick up your mat and walk. Get out of this place of stagnancy. Leave that mindset behind that's kept you there, that mindset of a lack of hope, a lack of ex expectation for his life. That mindset isn't serving you anymore. You were made for more. Step into the land I have for you. Move forward. And he literally does. He walks out of that place. And Jesus wants the same for us today. He wants us to leave unhelpful mindsets behind that keep us from moving forward, keep us from advancing. And Toby spoke last week about um, the renewal of the mind. And I really recommend that you go back and um, listen to his talk because he talks more about this, that this is a way that we get out of that funk, get out of that place of being stuck, get out of that stagnation is, is to renew the mind with the truth. Um, so go and listen to Toby's talk. Um, but how do, we, how do we advance and not stagnate? 
Um, And when I was praying earlier this week for this talk, I was really reminded of this passage in Isaiah 54, um, 2 to 3. And it says, Enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch your tent curtains wide. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes. For you will spread out to the right and to the left. Your descendants will dispossess nations and settle in their desolate cities. Enlarge the place of your tent. Extend the tent. So turn to the person next to you and say, extend the tent. Extend the tent. Um, And I think this is an awesome image um, for advancing the kingdom of extending the tent. You can just imagine that God shouting this over the Israelites as they took possession of the promised land. Extend the tent. Stretch your tent curtains wide. Do not hold back. Strengthen your stakes. Strengthen your Strengthen your stakes, lengthen your cords, spread out, spread out to the left, spread out to the, to the right, take the land. And the Israelites would have lived in tents at this time, so this imagery of the tents would have been common to them. But thinking about what a tent means to us in um, this day, I just think it's a metaphor, this space that we occupy. So I just, for a moment, wonder if we can just think about that, think about the spaces that we occupy Think about the space that you're in, the space, um, maybe think about your house, your neighbors, your streets. Think about your work, your office, your colleagues, your children and their schools or nurseries. Think about your relationships and your friendships, your school, your uni, your colleges, your gym, your local supermarket, your hairdressers, the local coffee shop, your football team. And what would it look like for you in those spaces to extend the tent there, to take land for the kingdom of God? As I said, I work at baristas, and um, I used to be be a physio. And um, I believe this lie for a bit, that um, coming out of physio, that that was like maybe more holy work, working with disabled young adults, and then working in the coffee shop, I was like, it's not really important, it just pays a bit extra of the bills. Um, and I had to like rebuke myself a bit and be like, no, it does matter that me, um, as, like who I am and what I believe in and like carrying the kingdom of God and the power of the Holy Spirit, it does matter me turning up on a Thursday morning at 7 a.m. in that coffee shop and serving those people that where it is is surrounded by lawyers and people that work in business. Um, you got like Runway East and TLT and the BBC and they all come in um, and there are regulars and they come in for their morning coffees and it's important and, I, and it's important to like get to know them, get to know their names and get to know their coffee orders and you get to know um, their family and what they're doing at the weekend and that's important and it's me turning up there and extending the tent there. Um, and I've been so encouraged just even this week just having conversations with people in the church um, Jane Collar is this amazing woman. She's on our kids' team. She was here this morning, but not here this evening. And um, we, we do morning crash together for morning alpha at the moment on a Wednesday morning. And um, we were chatting on Wednesday, and she was telling me as she got the bus into morning alpha, she started speaking to this old lady who was going into the BRI to have some tests done. She was just a bit low. And um, she was like, I've got no hope. And Jane was like, let me tell you about hope. Let me tell you about the hope that I have. And I was like, yes, Jane. And she just started sharing the gospel with this woman, this old woman on the bus. And then this guy joined in the conversation and she said, the whole bus is quiet. She ended up like preaching to the whole bus. And I was like, that's amazing. She's extending the tent on a bus um, coming in to the center of Bristol. And um, I'm so encouraged by our students as well. 
And um, again, a student called Ruth, she's one of our freshers. Um, she's not here this evening, but I was so encouraged by her. She, she was empowered by the Holy Spirit to invite her housemate, Scout, who is here, um, to Alpha. And then Scout came to Alpha and um, she had an encounter with God and she became a Christian. She got baptized and um, now her life's been transformed. And I messaged Scout earlier in the week and I was just like, how are you doing? And um, she, she's given me permission, by the way, to share this. Um, I said, how are you doing, Scout? She's like, I'm the best I've ever been. And um, she said that she was, she was um, supporting a friend um, who's struggling in a bit of a low place. And she started to share the gospel with her and said, um, you know, let me tell you about Jesus. Let me tell you about what he's done in my life and how he's transformed me. And now her friend's like, I'm thinking about becoming a Christian. And I was like, legends, these amazing students. You know, Ruth just inviting scouts, stepping out, taking that land, advancing, not staying stagnant, advancing, um, inviting scouts Alpha, and then out, and now scout is inviting other people. Um, and it's amazing. And then we've got Gabby, who um, is also here this evening, and she's set up Coffees on Campus, um, which is basically just going out on campus. They set up a stool and outside the Senate building, um, give people free coffees, chat to them about Jesus, invite them to church, invite them to Alpha. Um, and it's, we're seeing amazing fruit from it. People um, are like interested, they're asking, they're coming to church, they're meeting up for Bible studies. And that's just Gabby feeling empowered to do that and stepping out and taking land. It's important where the space that they occupy outside the Senate building on that university campus, which can be filled with so much darkness and despair and a lack of hope that she's taking land for the kingdom of God. So we don't just do this as individuals. We do it together as the body of Christ. And I think that's so encouraging, isn't it? That we're, it's not just on us. It's not just on one of us. It's not just on Gabby. It's not just on Scout. It's not just on Toby leading the church. It's, we do this together collectively as the body of Christ. Um, and I'm so encouraged because we're going to focus um, at the end of next month. And one thing I love about focus, if you don't know what focus is, it's our um, church holiday. But we're also um, gathering together as a network. We're going um, with all the other churches as part of the HTB network. And um, they're all across the country. And it's so, it's so exciting to, be, to hear the stories of like, this is what we're doing in Bristol here. We're advancing the kingdom in all these amazing ways. Um, but this is what people are doing up here, or this is what they're doing in London, and this is what they're doing in Blackpool, and this is what they're doing in Birmingham. And um, that's, that's the, the body of Christ, making up and advancing the kingdom together. And um, I, was, I was looking at the CRT website, so the Church Revitalization Trust um, talks about the whole network that we're part of, and I was just reading the stories because it really encourages me. I loved it at Focus last year, we're hearing these stories of how people are extending the tent. Um, and advancing the kingdom. And I was reading about this place, St. Werbergs in Derby, who have a growing deaf community. So they started a course trying to train as many of the congregation members as possible in sign language so that they can communicate their services on a Sunday and make that community feel more loved and accepted. And I just thought, isn't that amazing that they're extending the tent, they're advancing the kingdom in that way for that deaf community to feel more loved. So the body of Christ is made up of empowered individuals, but we advance together, advance the kingdom together. And I really believe that it matters, the space that we occupy, the space of our tent. It matters where you are on a Monday morning. It matters to God. 
It mattered to God where the Israelites occupied and took land. All these places and names that I can't pronounce that Toby could. Um, they mattered to God because it was part of the inheritance that they had of taking that land. And when you enter into a space as a child of God, you make a difference by just showing up and being there. You make a difference. Um, so we're just going to spend a moment now thinking about this time tomorrow. It's three minutes past seven. Where you'll be um, right now, this time tomorrow, who you'll be with, and what would it look like to extend the tent there? Maybe, you'll be, uh, maybe you're a teacher and you've just got back from work and you're maybe marking, hopefully not at seven o'clock, um, but you might be marking. What would it look like to extend the tent there? Maybe you're at home, maybe you're with your housemates, maybe you're still with your colleagues, maybe you're at football or hockey or um, band practice. <laughs> what would it look like to extend the tent there and maybe share this with the person next to you take a moment share it with the person next to you where will you be this time tomorrow four minutes past seven and what would it look like to extend the tent there Awesome. Lots of extending the tent. I hope people are doing something exciting. Bro. Um, yeah, so that's exciting. Um, and just think about that. Think about this time tomorrow, um, what you'll be doing and how you can extend the tent there. And extending the tent in our context today is part, of, uh, is part of us taking our inheritance. As Christians, we inherit the kingdom of God. We inherit the sum total of all God has promised us in salvation. And the kingdom of God is advancing and God is making all things new. There's this amazing passage in Revelation I'm going to read, talking about Jesus making all things new. It's Revelation 21, 1 to 5. And it says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. There was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be more, no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making all things new. Jesus is restoring all things, but we partner with him to see that happen. We extend the tent with him. We advance the kingdom of God with Jesus. And so there are two things that I would love us to think about um, when advancing the kingdom of God. And the first one is prayer. And I just want to encourage us, those things that we were thinking about this time tomorrow, the spaces that we occupy, what would it, what would it look like um, for us to be praying for those spaces? Um, there's, a, there's an amazing book 
called um, Praying Like Monks, Living Like Fools by Tyler Staten. Um, if you haven't read this, I recommend it. You can borrow my copy if you want. Um, but Tyler Staten, he is um, head of the 24-7 prayer in America, and he also pastors um, a church called Bridgetown in Portland. Um, but there's this story that he, he writes about in um, his book. When he was 13 years old, he was like very on the fence about this whole Christianity thing. He was not sure. Um, and he was just like, you know, either it's real and then I like go in 100% or it's not and I just stop wasting my time. And he had like a mentor at the age of 13 who said, what, what would it look like if you were to um, pray for all of your um, classmates at school? Um, I think he was in the eighth grade. What would it look like if you prayed for them all summer? And so he was like kind of interested by this. So he was like, okay, I'm going to do it. I'm going to like test God and I'm going to pray for all my classmates for the whole of the summer and see what happens. And if nothing happens, then I'm dipping. Um, so he did. He, his brother had just passed his driving test, so he would drive him to school every morning, and then he walked the perimeter of the school, and he had a directory, a list of all um, his classmates, and he prayed for them by name every day of that summer. Um, and he encountered God in that time of praying for his classmates that he probably didn't particularly have a real heart for. And this 13-year-old skeptic encountered God on that field um, and, it, and it really transformed him, and he felt like um, called to start a um, CU equivalent in America. Um, and by the end of that year, a third of his class had given their lives to Jesus and become, become Christians. I thought it was an amazing story. And what would it be like for us to have that same heart, to be praying for people, praying for places that we occupy? And so that's the first thing. Um, I would encourage you just to think about. Maybe you have a list of your colleagues. Maybe you have a list of your um, people on your course. Um, yeah, to pray for them and to commit to praying for them or commit to play, praying for the, those spaces that you occupy. Um, and then the second thing is the gospel. And um, I have like a real personal conviction about this at the moment, um, that we should know the gospel, that we should be able to succinctly tell the gospel um, in a way that we can communicate it easily with people so that when we, the, the people that we're praying for, when we come into encounters with them, that we're praying for these encounters, that we're able to actually say the gospel and the difference that Jesus has made and also our own testimony um, without, without um, going on telling your whole life story, succinctly telling your testimony. Um, Revelation 12 says that they overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the power of the word of their testimony. And um, I just think that that is what we need to be doing. Um, and I just encourage you, whether you be able to like rattle that off really easily, the, the, um, the gospel in under a minute or not, just to go away and, and grapple with that and think about it. And, um, you know, there's people in the church that would love to help you with that. If that's something that you struggle with or you wouldn't even know where to start, um, you know, reach out, get in touch. I would love to help you with that. But I think those two things, so praying, and we are a people of praying for the spaces that we occupy as we extend the tent, as we advance the kingdom, and knowing the gospel. So when we have those opportunities, we can really use them for good. So as we finish this series on Joshua, let's just recap. The book of Joshua tells the story of a man who was commissioned by God, not because of his own ability, but he believed the promises of God and acted on the basis of those promises, with the result being that an entire nation came into its inheritance. 
As we think about advancing the kingdom of God, let's go back to the beginning in Joshua 1, verse 9. When God calls him, he says, Joshua, be strong and courageous, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. And just turn to the person next to you and um, say that. Those places, those spaces that um, you've been thinking about, whatever it is, maybe you're a doctor at the BRI, Simeon, be strong and courageous. The Lord your God will go with you wherever you go. Just say that to the person next to you now. Awesome. Um, So I'd love to invite the worship team to come up. But as they come up, I just... I was praying about um, how to finish this talk, and um, I was at my friend Cree's house, um, and I was in her brother's office writing this, and I saw this book. I was praying about how do I finish this advancing, not stagnating talk, and um, I saw this book on his desk, and um, it was a devotional by Smith Wigglesworth, and so I picked it up, and um, you know, do what only you do when you like, pick up a devotional. You go to your birthday. So I went to January the 16th, which is my birthday, Um, And this is the title, just FYI, this is the title, Always Advancing. And this is amazing devotional, so I'm just going to read it over us. Um, It says, Beloved, don't forget that every day must be a day of advancement. If you have not made any advancement since yesterday, in a measure you are a backslider. There is only one way for you between Calvary and glory, and it is forward. It is no day back. It is advancement with God. It is cooperation with him in the spirit. We must see these things because if we live on the same plane day after day, our vision becomes stale. The principles lose their earnestness. We must be like those who are catching the vision of the master day by day. We must make inroads into every passion that would interfere and we must bring everything to the slaughter that is not holy. For in these days, God wants us to know that he wishes to seat us on high. Often the most trying times are the most beneficial to our Christian growth. Consider Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Remember Moses and the trials that he faced. Beloved, if you read the scriptures, you will never find anything about the easy times. All the glories came out of hard times. If you're really to be reconstructed, it will be in a hard time. It won't be in a singing meeting, but at a time when you think all things dried up, when you think there is no hope for you and you have passed up everything. That is the time that God makes the person. And out of the experience, we will have a story to tell about what God has done for us. When the trial is severe, when you think that no one is being tried as much as you, When the trial is so hard that you cannot sleep and you do not know what to do, count it all joy, for you're in a good place when you do not know what to do. Look to God for the answer. So may we be like those who are catching the vision of the Master day by day, Jesus, who's making all things new. So why don't we stand? I'm going to pray for us. Father, we thank you for your faithfulness. 
We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your love over each one of us. We thank you that you sent your son to die for us. Thank you that you resurrected him. Thank you that he sat on the throne and he says, I am making all things new. Thank you that that is our inheritance, Jesus. But right now, would you empower us by your Holy Spirit? Would you fill us with your Holy Spirit to advance the kingdom with you, to extend the tent? Jesus, I pray that you will renew our mindsets where we are stuck, where we are stagnant, where we stayed in the same place. Thank you that you come to restore us. And will you be like us to that man at the, at the pool saying, get up. Come out of here, leave your mat, leave this place. This mindset doesn't serve you anymore. I have more land for you. I've got good things for you. I've got a good inheritance for you. I've got work for you to do. We thank you, Jesus, that the boundary lines for us have fallen in pleasant places with eternal pleasures at your right hand. And surely we will have a delightful inheritance. So help us, Jesus, empower us, to advance your kingdom. And may we be strong and courageous. In Jesus' name.